Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. All right, that means you're listening to The Mystery of Parenthood, and um, we've got a good show today, but we're going to begin, as we always do, with our prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, from you every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity. Grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray for us. St. John Paul II, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Uh, it's early 2023. Whew, and, yeah. <laughs> And I'm afraid it'll be late 2023 before we know it. But no, uh, seems like that's how it works. But um, so uh, I, um, yeah, it's going a lot faster now. Now that I'm 58 years old, which just happened. And um, congratulations! Thank you. I'm glad that I've lived this long. I hope that I <laughs> get to live a little bit longer, God willing. Mm-hmm. But um, but anyway, so I we finished that the the deal on the on Familiaris Consortia, which was, um. I thought it was. I thought it was helpful. This is going to be a little bit more specific to certain certain situations, and I think it's an article that uh, Thaddeus found. Um, thank you, and th- yeah, thank you, Thaddeus, for for it. But I think you know it's fitting. We're not too far removed from this. Uh, we don't have any teenagers anymore, but but it's close enough to kind of know. Um, and I'm just on the. On the start of this, the, I have on the, on one official teenager by chronology. And and I'll say this. I mean, a lot of people, I, I hear a lot of people dreading the teenage years or, you know, or struggling through the teenage years. And I, and I really hope that this, this show, I, I love the teenage years. I really did. And not that there weren't any problems. Sure. <laughs> I mean, that you, you can't do it. But uh, without that, you've got human beings that have differing opinions and um and that's that's just life but um but I do think that this article has some really good things to think about and um I love the way but well first off we've always said as as parents you got we want to create a culture that that promotes dialogue like an ongoing dialogue like the the they feel comfortable coming to you and they feel comfortable you coming to them. And, and that comes with listening most of the time. Um, and then interjecting, remembering that the the purpose of that is always for their sake, not because I want them to behave a certain way, but so they've got to, I may want them to behave a certain way and they may not be doing that, but, but the way I attack that, I think, the best way to do it is to put it in the framework of which is hopefully what you've done or, and are doing that if I bring up something, I want you to um, know that it's coming from, I don't want to force you into a pigeonhole. I'm just telling you, these are some things that you need to think about. And if I ever purposely misled you, I mean, um, and, and I think that's the way, we should attack it, and by the time you get to the teenage years, you know the, the question should come up: Hey, why am I taking time to do this? 
Because if I didn't care about you or I just wanted an easy life, it'd be a lot easier to just let you do what you want to do. Um, and to take it a step further, if I'm challenging you, I need to give you the reasons why for your sake. You know, why, do, why, why does it make sense for this to happen for your sake? What are you gaining in terms of understanding impact on future decisions? As you get older, we're not, hopefully we're one of the people you call and you want to dialogue with us, but we know you're going to have other people in your lives that, that are doing that. And how do you figure out what's the right, what's the right thing? What does God want you to do is ultimately what you want to find. Um, that's not always as clear as, as we all would like, but, but anyway, to build that culture of dialogue. And then the other thing is, is you always want to, if you can find something, hopefully you can find something that's, that's what I like about this article that, that you can agree with them on. Like, okay, we can be on the same page. It's not always, well, you're wrong about that. You're wrong about this. You're wrong about that. <laughs> and it's always, no, there's gotta be some yeses. Like, okay, you have, you have some insight here that's, that's worthy and I'm grateful for. And that's part of that, you know, trying to find a way to say yes when you can so that they know that when the no comes, um, it's coming from a place of, I normally try to say yes. No is because there's a problem here. And so I think those two principles, you know, the trying to say yes and trying to find something positive to say on the, about them. Couldn't it go back to, you've used this example many, many times of um, one of your children wanting to go to a movie. Right, exactly. And just to take that example, not that you necessarily did say this, but in your, in the advice that you gave the child was kind of contained in an acknowledgement, like you're saying of, okay, you want to go to the movie because you've hit on the fact that human beings love stories. Like there's something about right. stories that yeah, I, I think gr- so. grabs us as, as humans and how we, that's how we can learn about ourselves in the world. And you want to go because there's other of your friends that are going and that's because you've hit on something also true, which is, which is fellowship and friendship right. is important. But here's where we're kind of, here's where this particular example of that, of loving stories and wanting friendship is a little bit just, we've got some distortions introduced. And right. so let's talk about those things. Right. And that's, and that's what we did. But then at the same time, because of her age, that, now it would have been a different story if she was 15 or 16, she was in college. Right. And she was asking my opinion. Right. And, and about a movie. And I said, well, have we, have you looked at it? And she said, yeah, it doesn't look like it's going to be that great. So I looked it up, you know, on, on, um, plugged in, which is a Christian one to kind of get just a, a view of what, what's going on in the story. And, and other things. So you're, you're helping them understand how to gather information that's, in, that's pertinent to making the decision. Mm-hmm. And she was asking my opinion and I said, I don't think I would go if I were you. Um, now at her age, which was probably, she was probably 20, maybe 21 at the time. She said, she said, well, can you just tell me no? So I can say my parents <laughs> told me no. And I said, I, I'm not going to tell you no. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's times when I'll give you that out, but this is one where I think you could probably go to the movie. I just, I wouldn't go. I mean, um, so this is a place where you're operating within freedom. It's not a rated X movie. I don't even know if it was a rated R movie. It was just, it was just Mm -hmm. the content was not something that I thought was good from reading up on it. And anyway, she made the decision to go because I wouldn't tell her no. (laughs) And she didn't want to offend her friends and, and those type of things. And, and I mean, she was doing what a lot of, I mean, what I did. So it's, <laughs> I've done that before too. And, um, anyway, she went to the movie and she came back and she said, dad, I, I, you're right. I probably shouldn't have gone. And I said, well, okay, well then, you know, next time when you ask me, you might want to, and I, and I say the same type of thing. You might want to take that under, you know, more advisement, but that's part of growing up. You know, and so mm-hmm. we're we're preparing them. So the dialogue, the culture of dialogue was there because she asked, but also thinking about their best interest, which is like you at some point you've got to be able to make 
not only make the decision, but actually act on this decision in a way. And you're at an age where you can do that mm-hmm. and ought to do that, not where mom and dad need to say no, because sometimes that's the easy out. And that's fine. I tell teenagers all the time <laughs> it, when they're under the roof, so to speak, you can always use us as an excuse. So that's where that was coming from. I mean, if, if you don't want to do it, I can tell you no, and you can say mom and dad won't let me go. But at that age, it was like, I don't think that's appropriate for you to tell your friends at your age that mom and dad told me no, and so I'm not going. Right. Um, so you have to take it in the context of the situation where the person is, continue to foster dialogue, continue to help them show how would, how would I make the decision, like walk them through this is why, so that they can per, they can take that into themselves. Because what you don't want to do is tell children, no, frequently you don't. There's times you say no, and we can talk about it later, but the answer is no. That's appropriate sometimes, but it doesn't need to be all the time, because that's usually actually the easiest answer in most cases um, is if there's question, no. Um but that no always needs to be followed up with something that they can take and put in their own heart, I think, mm-hmm. as they grow up so that they can learn how to think through a problem. And so anyway, this one I thought was pretty good because it did. I, I love um, the first I kind of highlighted a line. I, I don't know what this is, maybe a header underneath the what's it? What's this article called? Three things your teen is right about and three things you know better. Um, and the first line, which is more like a header, I guess, because um, it's not really part of the deal, is this line. It says, don't treat teens like they're wrong about everything. Don't treat them like they're right about everything either. Mm-hmm. Because in reality, you and I are probably not right about everything, and we're probably not wrong about everything. I mean, I mean I'm not I'm not really willing to admit <laughs> to that admit yet. That. So... Um, but but I, I like the idea, and that's part of what I think you have to do, is you have to f- try to find the good in their thinking. Like you said, I don't think I said it that way. I didn't couch it that way, but, but right. that would have been a great way to couch it, okay? The great way to couch it would be, we've always told stories. Stories communicate much more than you could just say in a statement because they have examples and interactions, and you can kind of see it, and it gives you something in a small frame of reference, a two-hour piece that you might not be able to articulate. In fact, I'm thinking I'm reading Fulton Sheen and said, you know what, you know, the reason you tell a story is because because a statement will not do. I mean, just a statement of fact won't do. And so stories are good, and then friendships are really good. I mean, Christ knew the power of stories, right? Of course. That's that's how he taught. And, and, and friendships and communion with other people is good. And that's what you have. And and they're good friends. And, and they're they're good people. So I'm happy with your friends. I'm happy with this. But here's what I think the issue is that you need to look at. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, that I don't think I've couched it quite that way. But I think that's maybe the underlying what I what I was cou- uh, trying to couch it. You did that's what part. I've that's what I've gleaned from it over yeah. over the course of, of hearing that story. Yeah, so I think I think that's a great way to to kind of approach your child and say, "Here's the good," and that's what this is about. So, um, so the first tip is first acknowledge it. Teen drama notices something true that adults ignore. Right. Well, I think it just says as you get older, you know, you tend to um, learn how to deal with it, and the avoidance of drama um, sometimes becomes the most important thing. <laughs> like, so we're just going to skip by Walk that. away. So we're, we're, brush you know, under the rug. We're gonna, we're gonna brush it under the rug, which, you know, because you're like, I don't really want to have to deal with this. or Whatever. Right, exactly. And and so, but at the same time, you know, they said it's filled with drama. You know, teenage years are filled with drama, which if you have a teenager, it's facts. And, you know, relationships loom large on your teen's mind, especially their own relationships but also others and discussing relationships consume hours of texting and talking. I love this. I, 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 chuckled, I love this. I chuckled this is, at reading I think this they part. try to do it. So this is like an like in uh, italics. Mm-hmm. So it's almost as if teens think 
the human person is of infinite, infinite importance and that connecting with others is the central concern of human life. And oh, she wait, goes, oh, wait, right. that's right. <laughs> so, so which, which is if you break it down into that way of thinking is true. And it's kind of what we were just talking about because people are important because they have their own dignity just because they exist and because we're meant to be in communion with others. Mm-hmm. That's that's it. But being a community- it's and it's like for a lot of us, I'm sure it's it's a oh wait it's it's not making money it's not getting ahead it's not uh, being recognized it's not pleasing my you know it's not it is human, human the the human person other people that's what's most important right yeah and I guess what she's saying is the drama that they experience is kind of in a lot of cases not always. Well, maybe always, but but it may be still you're dealing with teen, you know, girls or, or guys uh, that that on the other side of the equation from your own that are maybe not handling things as an adult. But what it's striking at for the person who's living through it for you, through your child is, well, this means a lack of communion with other people that I care about, mm-hmm. or it means that I've got to attack their dignity and say they're not worth the time. Mm -hmm. And I find as, as you get older, sometimes that's exactly how you handle it. You just like, I'm, I'm not going to waste my time with, with this. So anyway, I think that that, that's a really good point that she makes. And it kind of speaks to those issues that I said. Do you think it's, do you think it's proper to, you know, let's say the, the common teen, young person experience of uh, not being in the, the clique that you want to be in, being right. left out, being, uh, lo- quote unquote, losing a, a friend or losing a best friend. Um, do you think it's appropriate there to, to, you know, start from obviously acknowledging their hurt, but then also saying, you know, something that, that the other people are are getting right or but they're not doing it in the right way this maybe is a convoluted thought is that human beings can't be best friends and intimates with every single human being 100% the reality of the way we're made that we're temporal beings we can only occupy this place of space and time is that we naturally have some relationships that are more intimate or more close or more dear to us. Right. And, and, and we've had to have that conversation with at least one of our children to just say, not everybody, you know, Stephanie has this, Stephanie has this thing that there's your, your, your deep water fool, um, deep water friends, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. where you plumb the depths of, of each other and your shallow water friends, the mm-hmm. ones that you just came kind of at the surface. Mm-hmm. And I always say you kind of sometimes need both. I mean, you, you need some that you're, you're going to get around and just, you're going to have fun. I mean, uh, notwithstanding, you know, they're, they're good people, but they're not people that you earn that depth. I, I've said that I've probably in 58 years, I've probably got, I might have five really close friends outside of my wife. And there's probably five, like I could probably share most everything with them Mm -hmm. and feel safe doing it. Mm -hmm. Multitude of other friends that are various levels of that down to, I just, when I'm around them, I just want to laugh and have fun and, and don't want to do and I think there's something human about that that's that's fine and what you said is consistent with what we know about Christ how he did it I mean he didn't go to everybody right he 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 invested in 12 at at a level and then he really invested even within that 12 in about 3 mm-hmm. others mm-hmm. um Peter James, John, maybe Andrew, maybe four, but a small, there was a small group inside of his group mm-hmm. that he kind of took even deeper. And so I think that 
so what what Vatican II says and what we've believed all along is, you know, Christ reveals man to himself. Mm-hmm. And so if he's God, he could do all kinds of things. He didn't he didn't say I'm gonna take in a thousand close friends, which he probably could have, I guess. I mean, maybe not in the human element, but I mean, he could have figured out how to do that if he wanted to. But to give us the example, he was like, you know, really the way this works is you have a good group of friends. I mean, if I think about it, I probably got, like I said, five at the max that are those close, close friends. And then I've got others that I'm close to. I would consider them very good friends. I would consider them good friends not acquaintances, not people I just bump into, people that I intentionally try to be around. So I think that's probably a fair thing to, to tell your kids. Look, Jesus had that small group that he invested in, that small group that he was safe with, you know, that, that he poured himself into at a depth that you can't do with everybody. Um, and so I think that's cool. I, th- I, I mean, I'm a fan of The Chosen so far, you know, and and I what I love about it is that the 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 sense of friendship and the kidding around and you know it's that you can tell there's a depth and there's certain people that he takes in mm-hmm. a little deeper into what's going on with himself with him Jesus does and so I think that's good that's a good example that's a great point Thaddeus as usual. (laughs) Um, Thanks a lot. So, but, so what I think the way they end this is that, you know, tell your teen that you, that you admire them seeing the truth of the other person's dignity and of the need for communion. Right. Mm -hmm. I think another thing you could add, which she doesn't talk about here is that communion is based on um, trust. Right. Like I tr- so if I'm in communion with God, I, I've got to trust him ultimately. I think it's the same with friends, not the same way. I mean, you can't trust a friend like you can trust God, but you're close friends. And that's based on truth <laughs> and it's based on grace, you know, mercy. Uh, that's what communion is based on, the ability to forgive, uh, the b- ability to ask for forgiveness, um, the search for what is true, good, and beautiful objectively is what builds communion. So I've, I've noticed that most of my closest friends are, well, all of my closest friends are Christian and, and are really striving to live a Christian life and follow Jesus. And my closest friends are probably Catholic because we have the benefit of the full fullness of that truth. Right. Um, so I think that that's, that's important to point out as well. It doesn't mean they have to all be Catholic. Um, I've got one of my best friends who's not, but I know he loves the Lord and, and he challenges me plenty of times on the way I'm living and way I look at things. And, and I think that's a good thing, but that's where communion comes from, which flows into this ultimate, I trust this person. I, I can trust them to be vulnerable, to be vulnerable in front of them. I don't have to put on some sort of facade um, around them, which in those ones that are the outer <laughs> level, I think there's some level of protection. Like I'm, I'm not going to, there's things I will say, but there's things I'm not going to say. Um, so anyway, um, but I think the important thing is the pointing out to them, you've got something right that maybe we don't see for ease sake, maybe <laughs> mm-hmm. as you grow older, um, you do. So the second one that it says, recognize the teen idealism is right. And I love this. I, you know, what, what, what the faith teaches us is I think that there is a standard to which, you know, there's an idealism that we fall short of, but just because we fall short of it doesn't mean that we don't strive for it. And I think as we get older, we tend to say, well, that idealism can never be realized in this life. And therefore, we just got to let some things go. Um, And there's something right about the kind of the, um, I I hate the word to use naive, um, because I'm not sure it's naive. It's maybe holding on to something that we all have and to try to struggle to hold on to the idealism, recognizing that's what confession's for. We fall short over and over again. 
But that doesn't mean that we just say, well, that's just the way we are. We, we continue to struggle towards that, that ideal, right? And we fall short and know that God loves us in his mercy anyway. So um, <laughs> I love that teen, teens think the world is stupid. So I, I think too, sometimes too, but mm-hmm. uh, they think politics is sick. What is that word? Pastiche. Pastiche. I just guess a mixture a, a mixture of lies and truths and that politicians tend to speak in phony nice words occasionally mixed with real caring and that's a lot of real life anyway i mean not just in politics and and i think i've always said the kids pick up on hypocrisy really quickly and so you as a parent need to make sure you're not being hypocritical you know i mean you really need to be transparent as best you can with them Mm-hmm. And and what's what you're called to, but also when you fall short, because I think it's really important to let them know that we fall short. Sometimes we are hypocritical, um, and so uh, anyway. Yeah, I I would have liked the counterpoint to this in the latter part of the article to have been something like, okay, just because there's hypocrites doesn't mean that. Ideas are not true, or, or or ideas are not um, worth hanging on to, right? You know, because I think that seems to be very much in the air in our day and age. Of as soon as you find, as soon as you encounter somebody who's a hypocrite, who's not living according to the ideas or ideals that they profess, then that means the ideals are not true. Exactly, that happens in the church. I mean, right? And I mean, that's, that's not. That's, a, that's not logical that's just no, no it's not so and that's what that's what happens with a lot of people well you know i won't be catholic because they're bad priests but, well no i mean focus on the ideal who is the person jesus and and recognize that it's actually within catholicism within christianity that the the standard by which that person is being engaged is because of that mm-hmm. idealism mm-hmm. Right. And again, Jesus came to give us truth and grace. Mm-hmm. And because he came to give us truth and grace, we're grace does what? It up it uplifts us. I mean, it, it helps us overcome or work towards overcoming those things that are mm-hmm. not ideal in ourselves mm-hmm. and in others. Yeah, and I think I mean I would see myself maybe saying something along the lines of, Okay, you probably have an ideal in your young life of you're never going to be mean to anybody. You're never going to be bad. You're never going to be a bad friend to to anyone. Right. But I bet if you look back on your life, you probably have been mean to somebody. Right. You and probably have been a bad friend. Does that mean that therefore you should throw out your ideal of not being mean or not being a bad friend? No. And, and, and it just means that you're a human being. And that 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 you have to give yourself grace, and and acknowledge while acknowledging that so what i i mean i i was telling the story the other day and it's one i mean it still bothers me to this day one of my closest friends i was a groomsman and i decided instead of going up early because it was out of state i was going to go spend some time with some friends and ended up sleeping through the plane flight <laughs> i missed the wedding you've never told me this story no before. i told my son he says you missed the wedding and you were a groomsman and i said yeah it was all aw- it was awful i mean when i look back on it the, the choices i made lead, lead, leading up to that was awful and my friend forgave me it still bothers me to this day sure, sure. because that's not what a friend does right and so i think it, an extension of of that talk with the child look you if you haven't ever failed a friend, you probably are going to. Mm-hmm. Um, then <laughs> recognize th- that it's important to share something of yourself to the extent you can so yeah. that they know, okay, you know, because I've found, I have no idea why, because I've never tried to do this, that my kids tend to th- think that I, you know, have not made a mistake. So I think mm-hmm. it's sometimes important prudently like what what is the mistake if it's something you can share which i felt like this was it gives them some context to okay dad dad's not perfect you know dad has made mistakes dad has made choices that he shouldn't have made yeah. and and this is how 
I handled it. I had, that was one of the toughest phone calls to date that I've ever had at 22 years old um, to call that friend. And like I said, still bothers me. I may call him after the show. <laughs> Again. All right, we got but 20 minutes. Let's, move, let's keep moving. So, so the other right thing is teens are rightly uh, often right to be cynical about the church. Mm-hmm. And again, I think that points that that points us back to what we we're just talking about. The church is here to do it, but it's full of sinners, right? We we're that's good news because if we're honest about ourselves, we are sinners. To be cynical is probably not the best way to do. It, is say, okay, so there are people who follow, but it's easy to point out. Jesus handpicked his twelve, <laughs> and one of his twelve led to his crucifixion, and the other one, like a lot of good friends, I'll be there for you no matter what, you know, Peter, and then he bailed, bailed. He bailed on him. And so th- we have to help them c- kind of understand that the people within the church, no matter who they are, pope, bishop, <laughs> priest, they're still human beings. And because they're human beings, they're going to fall short of that ideal but that doesn't make that make it make the ideal not something worth continuing to hold on to or to strive for just because you have a bad example but it also points to the fact that you know as a as the domestic church the impact that our bad example can have on our kids right mm-hmm. No, mom and dad aren't like that, and therefore, so we have to really struggle with it, and we have to be honest and 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 I think transparent to them that this is part of life. Don't be surprised to learn that somebody who you maybe looked up to <laughs> um, had a moment or maybe a long time of of living not in in line with that truth. Guess what? You're preparing a child. A teen who's about to go out into the world to understand that, because if you if you let them think that everybody who's Catholic <laughs> is going to be a great person no matter what, or everybody who's Christian is going to be a great person, the the answer is you're setting them up to be just completely let down, because th- that goes with even like you talk about being a husband and wife. Look, I mean, you you when you find the right person. Don't be surprised that that person lets you down and don't be surprised when you let them down. So what's the, what's the answer? The answer is, okay, you've got to be forgiving one direction, right? When they, when they hurt you (laughs) because they didn't do what they said they were going to do or whatever. And you have to be um, willing to ask for forgiveness on the flip side, but acknowledge and that's why you, the catholic church has not been perfect throughout 2000 years there've been times if that's some of the points that people will will make in trying to challenge them being catholic you got to set them up to say look no there were times maybe even now you could point well not even maybe now you could point to different things that are going on today but that's not something that's new that's something that's been going on for years mm-hmm. And I do think biblically it's important to point out the difference between how Judas responded to his decision versus how Peter did. Because mm-hmm. Peter ran back to him, right? When he saw him, you know, I'm not sure I would have got out the boat and said, you know, there's Jesus. I'm like, I better get out of here because he's going to zap me or whatever. But he jumped out of the boat and swam as fast as he could, have knowing that if that is Jesus, I told him I was going to be there, stand up for him. I'd even die with him. And he, and I didn't, mm-hmm. the answer is always to run back to Jesus because ultimately I think the, 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 the hole that we all have in our hearts ultimately is, is because the only person who can fill it is Jesus, not, not, not your spouse, not your friends. The only person who can fill that is that. So don't dismiss or the fact that there are examples out there that show that there are centers, even bad centers, um, who are at the heart of the church sometimes, but that does not diminish what the church is. The church is still mother, still the bride of Christ. And just because there are people inside of it, including ourselves, 
that fall short. That doesn't mean that that ideal of love, of self-gift, of giving ourselves away for the sake of another is not still worth striving for. So, um, again, the intention is always to try to get people, um, (laughs) is to try to get people to recognize that um, this world is, has its problems, primarily people, (laughs) and that that does not diminish uh, still striving towards what Jesus calls us to. What did you think about the quote from Jordan Peterson that the article uses? The church is bleeding its young people, and my sense of that is it's because the church does not demand enough of its young people. Well, I, I've heard they that. They want to be called hard. to heroism and, and adventure. Yeah, and that's one of the things that they say. That I, I think that, that we, we tend to think that the way to get anybody is to kind of water it down to where they understand it. And part of that is it's something that we could, we want them to have success, right? Well, part of part of being a Christian is the failure. I mean, part of being a Christian, a human Christian, a sinful person, is failure. I'm going to let somebody down. It's not okay. I mean, it's not okay, but but you have to. So so demand more from them because I think people ultimately rise to what you demand of them right? What you ask of them. So I I don't think there's, I think there's a sense in all of us that there's something greater than us. That's really something that we, and to be honest, what we need is God's grace. We can't get to what we, what we have inside that we really sense this call to greatness, this call to heroism, this call to, I can be so much more than I am. The answer is not to say, well, you need to give yourself a break to the extent that like, don't worry about that. That's not something to strive for because you're never going to get there. That's not, that's not the way. So I think that, I think that there's some truth to what Jordan Peterson says there Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. that we're not calling them to the, to the heights of sanctity that, that they want. And we're dismissing, you know, I've heard Teresa Vavila said that, well, you know, some of the priests that she went to earlier in her life, you know, were part of the problem because they would, she would bring up something and say, well, that's not even a sin or whatever. And she said that, you know, it, that was not helpful to helping me strive forward. And it put me back. So we as parents need to acknowledge, hey, you fell short, but that doesn't mean that you're not capable with the help of God's grace of overcoming that. And the beginning of that is to acknowledge it, to seek um, reconciliation in the sacrament and with the person that you've offended and then keep getting up and trying. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, not Christian, well, maybe, or maybe not, I don't know, but Michael Jordan said, you know, the, the reason he was great at what he did was because he just it didn't matter what happened the day before he would just acknowledge it, learn from it and then say, and I think that's what we got to tell our kids, <laughs> name it, claim it and say, I'm going to do my best the next time, but don't say that's just the way I am, which I think a lot of people do. So, um, yeah, so, so teens get all that right. Kim. They get all that right. And but then adults says, get stuff right too. Right. And so the first thing that she says is that adults know that trust is better than drama, you know, and it's true that adults have learned to hide our vulnerabilities, which is what we were talking about, but let your teens know the other reason our lives have less drama, we have come to trust in God. That, And that's something you had. There's a bit of hope that I think, okay, yeah, it looks really bad right now, this relationship, this circumstance, this whatever I'm going through. And, and maybe I look bad. Maybe I, I haven't. But I, I love to say, and I think it's important that from a Christian standpoint, there's always good Fridays. You know, there's always days of suffering, whether it's, I'm the one on the cross or I'm the one nailing somebody to a cross. There's always a good Friday. And for everybody involved there <laughs> at the cross, forgiveness is available. Mm. And so I think that there's, there's, there's trusting that God can forgive you, even if the friend can't, but praying that the friend can. Because when you hurt somebody, I think lots of times there's a but like in marriage, when that happens, what I found is that sometimes something happens and it causes a rift between the two that can actually end up 
strengthening. Like if you break a bone, right? They say if the bone it heals back correctly, you're actually stronger at the point of the break because it's because it's actually grown back. I think there's something analogous here. Mm-hmm. If you'll reset it and both people are in, that, that it actually can become a stronger relationship as a result of that because it's real. It's not some fabricated, like everything's fine. It's all good. I think it's the worst thing you can, you can let kids, particularly as they get to be teens and older, as they're going out in the world, that somehow there's something that can completely break off a relationship with in the family or with God or whatever. There's no coming back. Yeah, this is not necessarily related to tr- the trust piece, but um, I think helping them, and hopefully we're modeling this in our own families. I don't always model this well, but, all the time, but, um, you know, helping them look at an interpersonal situation and saying, you know, what was your role in that? You you probably had some yeah. something to do. You, there's probably something in there where maybe you didn't act your best. Maybe you didn't live up to your ideals, right? Right. And you know what was that? Let's, that? let's be honest. Be be humble. And that's helpful. That's helpful in 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 this sense. I think particularly with with drama is we we really can only ultimately control our responses, how we're going to do things of ourselves. Mm-hmm. We tend to want to put it out there that this person needs to fix this problem, right? right? And the question needs to really look back, okay, what, like you're saying, what, what part did I have in it? And, and, and ask for the grace to be, to be open to, okay, well, I could have maybe said this better or handled this, and this led to them responding that way. Also to give them the benefit of the doubt. Because what I've often said is, look, you know, we're we we're messed up family like every other family, <laughs> but there's other families that have a lot worse things. So they're they may be coming from a place that's completely different mm-hmm. from you, and so you got to give them a little bit of grace, benefit of the doubt, and try to make an excuse for them in your own mind instead of trying to project out there. This is what they were thinking. This is why they did it. Right, right. <laughs> because that that's never productive, honestly. And I uh, think doing that also can help us take less umbrage at things when things are done to us. We can get our feelings hurt less. We can move on better. We can forgive better. Right, all those things. Yeah, because I think it, I think it is important. You know, I think a lot of most of the great saints that I've heard have always said that we as Christians need to try to make excuses for the way people have handled. I mean, what did, Je- what, what did Jesus do from the cross? They know not what they're doing. He was right. making an excuse for us. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's the example that we should follow is we need to try to make an excuse in our minds so that we can have mercy and that we can forgive because they don't really know what they're doing mm-hmm. um, and make that the assumption. I think in my past. Yeah, don't make others, excuses for ourselves. Make excuses don't, exactly. For don't make look at ourselves a little bit more critically. Critically, and look at others a little bit more mercifully. Yeah, um, I think that's helpful as you grow older because you can get grudges built up on things that aren't even real. What I've learned in growing up and being fifty-eight years old is what I thought the person was thinking is not nearly what they were thinking. If yeah. I, it's ever gotten around to it, it's something far less. So. And you can work yourself pretty up when you start trying to think what they were thinking. This is why they did that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then you get angry. And that's where grudges come from. And grudges aren't good either. No. So second, uh, adults know that small acts win big. And and I, I love this idea because St. Therese is, um, is one that said, you know, that the whole strength lies in prayer and sacrifice. These are my invincible arms. They can move hearts far better than words. And I know it by experience. So there's a spiritual side, I think, in terms of small acts. So making small sacrifices and offering it up for the sake of maybe the person that you don't like, but you love, you know, mm-hmm. um, instead of, instead of it having to be like, well, I've got to say something, you may need to say something. 
But I think what she's saying here is the small acts of great love. I love that person. Therefore, I'm going to make this sacrifice. The sacrifice might be I'm going to bite my tongue. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say what I'm thinking because that's going to make it worse. There might be times that you need to say what you're thinking, but you, the sacrifice might be, you know what, I'm going to let this pass and not say something because that's just going to make it worse. So that small acts have big impact on on relationships and on all the things that, that matter is something to teach them. Small acts that are maybe even interior. I mean, like you only you, you and God are the only ones that know. Um, I think that that's um, – and this was interesting. I thought this was really good advice. This is the lady – or man, I don't know. Is this a, Tom Hoops is the author? A, a man who said one of my teens told me his whole life was changed by a priest's simple advice in the confessional to fulfill his state in life better. Hmm. Um, I I think we we all <laughs> that's great advice for all of us. The best way to grow in sanctity, the best way to grow in holiness, is to is to attempt to do what we do every day. The way we washed clothes, the way we, you know, the thoughts that are going through our minds, the the morning offering, those things are to fulfill our state in life, where we find ourselves in the ordinary. Yeah. Extraordinary things can happen in the ordinary. That's the way it's revealed to us. What looks like a piece of bread is Jesus Christ himself, body, blood, soul, and divinity. So just because it looks ordinary doesn't mean it's ordinary, and we have to re-embrace that. I think we've talked about that multiple times before. But pointing that out to our children, I think, is a good thing. So if you're a student, then be a good student. <laughs> if you're a friend, be a good friend. Wherever you, wherever you find yourself, your state, if you're, if you're married, be a good spouse. Uh, if, if you have kids, be a good parent and strive towards that and just fulfill those duties, which seem mundane. Mm-hmm getting them up to go to work or, or go to school, making them lunch or breakfast or whatever you do, those are all opportunities to, as the, as the Vatican Council says, to consecrate the world <laughs> itself to God by the way we go through those things. So not just doing it out of ritual, but connecting our heart to say, I'm doing this for the Lord and whatever that might be. So I think that's good. And then I think the last one is something that we all can do and ought to do that our kids need to be reminded. We have to be reminded of this. You know, call your team to be a hero for God, mm-hmm. right? To be a hero. Um, you're called to greatness. And, and, you know, one of my favorite lines in the Bible is in, in John. And Jesus says, you know, because I go to the Father, greater things you will do than I. Greater things you will do than I because that. So that points us to the fact that we need to rely on God. He, he, went, he went to the Father to send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit resides inside of us, and the Holy Spirit is going to guide us and call us to heights that we don't think we're capable of, but that's what the grace of the sacraments is for. So frequent reconciliation and penance, frequent mass attendance and and properly disposed reception of the Eucharist, all those things where God is pouring grace into us are things that allow us to be elevated beyond what we can even see. I mean, I always point to great coaches because somehow the best coaches are able to see something. You know, I think Michelangelo was able to look at a rock and say, I can turn this into the Pieta, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, God's greater than Michelangelo, right, for us. So what looks like a blob of hard stuff, to the extent that we're open to to it, he can make us into the the saint. All we have to do, St. Thomas Aquinas says, just will it. I just, I want to be a saint. That's a prayer, I promise. (laughs) I want to be a saint. And we have to make sure that if we tell them they want to be a saint, that means to become who you are, right, who you were created to be. Only you can be the saint that carries your name and your personhood. You're not yeah. to do that like somebody else. You're just meant to do it like you, with your gifts, your talents, your shortcomings, all that. Two quotes that came to mind for me in looking at this this part of the article. Um, two 
two great female saints, uh, Joan of Arc. Right. Her quote of, I am not afraid for God is with me. I was born for this. Right. And, and, and every one of us, every one of us should be able to say that. For, for our life. For, for our, our state life. in life. Yes. He is with us. I am not afraid. I mean, Jesus says it over and over. Mm-hmm. The, the angels that appear say, do not be afraid because God is with you. Right. And, and then, I think that St. Catherine of Siena, her most famous quote, probably be who God meant you to be and you will set, set the, the world, world on fire. I've, I've, I use that in almost every letter I write to young people using my, either my kids or my, is that become who you are, right? That, you know, all this other stuff that you see is bad. That's falling short of the ideal strive for the ideal and the, and you can't do it by sheer willpower. You have to ask for it. I want to be a saint Lord and then use what he's given Eucharist reconciliation and penance all those sacraments, marriage, if you get married, holy orders, if that's what you're called to, yeah. those are all meant to provide us with the grace to live that state in such a way that we would become holy as he is holy, become perfect as he is perfect. And I think that that's, I think that that's it. So I think this is a, a great article that has some things, but just always, I mean, in the end, make sure, tell your kids you are called to greatness to become the great saint and use their name that's this world needs you to become you. And so with that, um, we're at the end. Hope it was helpful. Um, I always love talking with Thaddeus. And so remember only God can take the mystery out of parenthood, pray parent with a purpose and prepare for God to amaze you. He will I promise you every time. God bless y'all pray for us. We'll be praying for you. Bye. <laughs>